Good morning. There we go. Wow. Five people. Every time I come. Good morning. Hey. How's everybody? Good. Great. Muy bien. Hey. Muy bien. Yesterday, my uh, Spanish skills were uh, put to the test, and uh, I think I passed. I think I did. I think I did Columbia some tree service. So we'll see. If somebody emails me otherwise, it's fine. Um, we'd like to welcome you all this morning. If this is your first time here, we would especially like to welcome you. Uh, our hope as a church uh, is that we would uh, truly reflect the love, truth, and compassion that we see in Jesus uh, in the scriptures. Um, so let's get started, and uh, I'll pray, and we'll jump in. Father, we thank you for this morning that you've given us. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to celebrate life, Lord. Thank you for the life that you give uh, to us. Um, we pray just your continued hand uh, of blessing upon us this morning. I pray, Lord, that uh, Lord, you would speak into all of our hearts today, God. Allow us to just be aware and attentive, Lord, of of what you want to do and, and what you want to say. Praise in your name. Amen. How many of you have, have uh, gone through life noticing missed opportunities? Yes. Oh, oh. Well, hey, I didn't even ask for hands. Okay, okay. Cool. Um, pretty much, you know, we can all look back into some moment in our lives where there's been a, an opportunity that, that has come and gone, right? Whether it be at work, you know, a promotion perhaps, you know, something good to do to someone else, we can all say yes to, there's been opportunities that have come my way and they've passed by and I've done nothing with them. There's times that we've never even noticed them until they're fleeing and they're gone. There's times when they come and we know it's an opportunity to step into whatever that might be and we say, no, I can't, I won't. I don't have time, whatever the case might be. We've all been there, right? So, this is, um, this is not me about to go nuts, so don't worry. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. I just have this mental image of like, I wonder what they're going to say when like, I hold my bat like, you know, in the hand, and they're like, oh my gosh, he's about to go crazy. I'm not. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, freshman in high school, I had a friend of mine who's, who asked me to try out for the baseball team with him. I didn't really play baseball. Actually, I never played baseball. I played softball when I was like in seventh and eighth grade. I watched a ton of baseball, um, but unfortunately, that did not make me an expert. And so he asked me to go and try out for the high school team with him. And I mean, the reality is I had nothing to lose. Back in those days, long time ago, Back in those days, for youngins, I would go home, 30 minutes of homework, and then I'd take like a two-hour nap. I'd wake up, I'd have dinner, I'd watch like four hours of TV, and then I'd go to sleep. So I know that you guys have it a lot rough, a lot more rough now, but it used to be a lot easier back then. So anyway, it's not like I had anything going on. Um, so I said, sure, I'll try out for this team. I'll try out uh, for, for the team with you. So we try out for the team, and um, I don't know, I guess someone you know, had a nice sense of humor. But I actually made this team. I don't really know how I made this team, but I did. Um, so I, ma I make this team uh, with a friend of mine. And 
one of the things that people saw very quickly is that I could play really good defense, but I was terrible at hitting the ball. Pretty awful, actually. So a ball would come low, and I'd swing you know, all the way down here and make some contact, but it'd be a foul. Right, the ball would come up here, and I'd you know, tomahawk at it, or whatever the case might be. It was really bad. But when the ball came right down the center, right in my sweet spot, I would freeze up. For whatever reason, I just couldn't swing. So, ball down here, foul. You know, ball up here, foul. Ball in here, foul. All right, here we go. Right down the middle. Missed opportunity. Missed opportunity, yeah. Strike three, you're out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and then he punched me out just like that. So very quickly, they put me to the bottom of the batting order, praying that I only had like two opportunities to bat, or like, I don't even know. So I, just, I would just stand up there, and uh, completely freeze when the ball would come. Missed opportunities. Following Jesus, looking to be a disciple of Christ, is not all that different from this. See, we go through life looking to follow Christ, and God presents before us opportunities all the time. We can decide to say yes, we can decide to say no. We've been talking about this for a number of weeks, a couple of months now, actually, that God has promises for us, that God has purposes for us, that God places before us opportunities for us to say yes or no to. And the reality is, as followers of Jesus, we can place ourselves in a state where we're perpetually missing opportunities. We're perpetually saying, no, I don't want to. I don't have time. I don't have resources. Some of us just, you know, aren't even really all that aware of what God is trying to do in our lives. The other aspect of that is that we can place ourselves in a position where we are in a perpetual state of being ready for the next task that God has for us. And we're going to talk about that this morning. We're really going to talk about the how. We, we've been talking a lot of just about promises and purposes and, and things that God has for us, and I think that we've, you know, kind of set that up, right? So this morning, we really want to look at, like, how. How do I place myself in a state where I'm constantly ready? How do I place myself um, where I'm, I'm, I'm saying yes to whatever it is that God has for us? So if you have a, a, one of these blue Bibles on your seats, go to page six. 13, I'm going to go Luke chapter 1, we're going to start at verse 26. I'll give you guys a minute just to get there. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, <clears throat> page 613. And just a little background before we jump in. Last week, Kurt talked about the passage right, right before this, right? We have the priest, Zechariah, he's at the temple, he's praying, and he has this encounter with an angel, Gabriel. And Gabriel has some amazing news for him. Zechariah, your wife is going to have a son. I know that she's along in her years. She, she's been unable to uh, conceive. You guys have been unable to conceive. But God is going to do something new. God is going to do something special. And this son is going to be a forerunner of God. He is going to bring people back to him. He is going to prepare the way for the Lord. So we read that 
Elizabeth goes into seclusion for five to six months. And this is where we pick up the story. Verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and, you, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, How can this be? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Stop right there. So Gabriel comes back on the scene, freaks Mary out, tells her to calm down, and then goes into why he's there. Mary, you're going to have a son, and you're going to call him Jesus, which means the Lord saves. He's going to be called Son of the Most High. He's going to be given the throne of David. His kingdom will never reign. His kingdom will never reign. An opportunity. Gabriel comes before Mary with an opportunity. Mary, this is what God wants to do in your life. Mary, this is what God wants to do through you. So Mary's left confused. Gabe, can I call you Gabe? I'm a little confused by by how this whole thing, you know, is going to happen. Oh, oh, what what, what part confuses you? The part about his kingdom will will never end? No, not that part. Oh, oh, you you must be talking about the whole, you know, David connection. Well, let me explain something to you. See, Joseph, no, no, no. I'm kind of clear there. Um, Gabe, I'm a little little off just about the technicalities of all this. Mechanics. See, um, I'm a virgin. And quite frankly, this doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. So Gabriel goes on to explain to her how God is going to do this. How God is going to do the miraculous, the impossible. See, for a moment in time, we, we come across these passages. When, when Rob was like, hey, are, are you ready to like, you know, talk about this? I'm like, yeah, I guess. It's kind of like a, you know... Everybody kind of knows the story, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, oh, okay, the baby, yay, and there's a manger, you sing songs about it, and now they start before Thanksgiving, which is totally awful, one, one, one holiday season at a time. But when we look at this story, if we were given a window, right, 
And, and so what this is, imagine for a moment your favorite movie or your, your type of favorite movie, right? And some revelation has just been revealed to the main character, to the protagonist, right? They're about to set off on this adventure. People were talking about Star Wars or Star Trek or something and Lord of the Rings and, you know, one of those movies where there's just a lot of talking and not enough action to keep me entertained. But I remember from those movies where... Sorry, man, I had to do it. But I, rem- I, um, but I remember from those movies different scenes, right, where there is this just sense of epicness, if I could just use that word, where for one brief fabricated moment, as the viewer, you actually feel like you're about to be caught up in something that's bigger than yourself. This is exactly what's happening here. And here's the cool thing. There was no Hollywood back then. A director didn't cut the scene for the 27th time because Gabriel didn't come in as bright as he should have. And Mary's expression, you know, wasn't coinciding with what she was saying. So let's redo it again. No, this actually happened. No Hollywood. No retake. No editing for different camera angles. From our perspective, we look at this and and the moment that all of creation has been waiting for has just been announced. Which is amazing. Gabriel shows up to Zechariah and says, hey, this is your son, right? So you get a window of like, wow, we're starting to inch closer to that moment. But when? I mean, John could have been 60, 90, 120. We, have, you know, we don't know when this would have happened, but only six months later, God is ready. And we, and we look at Mary. Here's, here's the cool thing. We look at Mary and we see her response, right? We see the angels greeting to her and Mary's response. Greetings in verse 26, 28, 26, 28. Greetings, favored one. We, we, we look at Mary and we think about Mary. We say, wow, what a responsibility. She carried, you know, Jesus in her womb. And, you know, that's why we view her as, like, favored. And, like, what, you know, w- w- what a responsibility. Some, w- something to take on. But before that even happened, Gabriel is saying, you're favored already. When we look at Mary's life, we see that, we don't know in detail, but we see that throughout her life, she was someone who was in a perpetual place of saying yes to God. Imagine with me for a moment what that conversation with God and Gabriel must have been like. Because Gabriel didn't make this up on his own. Gabriel has no timetable for this. He's just a servant of God. God calls Gabriel over and he says, Gabriel, you already went to talk to Zechariah. I want you to now go talk to Mary in Nazareth. Okay, what do I tell her? Tell her that she's going to conceive a son. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon her. 
She's going to, she's to name him Jesus because it means the Lord saves. She's young and I know that, but I can trust her. She is faithful. She is obedient. And she's ready for this task. Trust me on this one. She might not get it all. She might not understand. But I can trust her with myself. How many of you would love to be talked about by God in that way? Gabriel, go to Tony. I have a message for him. Go to Joe. Go to Brian. Go to Lena. I have a message for them. I trust them. They're faithful. They love me. They don't get it all. It's not perfect. But here's what I want them to do. We don't know in detail, but I believe that we see from such a young person, there is already a faithfulness to her. We see that God has presented things to her in the past, and she has said yes to them. Opportunities have come, and she's been aware of them, and she's been willing to take them on, and she's gone about and done it. What? We don't know. This is the first one that we see. But the God of the universe calls Mary and says, partner with me in this. Partner with me in bearing Jesus, carrying Christ, carrying the Son who's going to save this world. Mary, are you willing? Will you do this? Let's keep reading. Verse 39. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. God uses Elizabeth in this moment to bring about affirmation to what God was already speaking and doing in Mary. I look at this passage and I was thinking to myself, like, wow, the angel led on to Mary that, that like Elizabeth's pregnant as like proof. As proof, Elizabeth is also pregnant. You can go, you can see her, you can talk to her. But Mary already believed this in her heart. We read that in there. She doesn't go to Elizabeth to say, maybe the bread that I had wasn't unleavened. I don't really know. It just, maybe that was a bad dream. That's not what happens. She already believes in her heart. And so as Mary kind of, you know, shows up and it's like, Elizabeth, Elizabeth. You know, John, we obviously we know it's John. John, you know, leaps in, in, inside of Elizabeth. And Elizabeth affirms her. Which is interesting. Because 
a lot of us don't act like Elizabeth. I'm someone like that in particular. Elizabeth's been praying this whole time. We know that she's farther along in years. And God is going to do this thing. And all of a sudden, here comes Mary. Elizabeth, Elizabeth, guess what? Do you know who your son's going to be? Do you know who my son's going to be? Here we go. I just got some great news. I'm flying high. And look, your baby's better than my baby. Your baby's going to be cuter than my baby. Your baby's going to excel at everything. He's going to know, he, you know, the, the Torah and this, that, and the other thing. And my, unbelievable. God, why'd you do this to me? I asked for the Bentley. I got to stop. You gave her the Ferrari. Unbelievable. I'm just saying. Isn't this how, how, how we react, right? Let me bring it back to my friend Henry from high school. So Henry asked me, to be, asked me to try out with him. I make the team, but Henry, he didn't. He was a guy that played baseball his entire life, played in the town we grew up in, all this type of stuff. He didn't make the team, but I did. Now again, I would like to say it was because of my superior talent, but no, it just wasn't. Basically, I was the only person, maybe one other guy, that was like trying out for my position. And there was like a ton of people trying out for the position that Henry was also trying out for. But here's the amazing thing about Henry. Henry was a guy that just never complained. When he got cut, he continued to try to be a part of the team. He asked coach, coach, how can I just stay involved? Can I practice with the team? Sure, 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 you can come practice. So Henry, you know, comes back and he's kind of on the practice squad. Eventually, you know, some guys got in trouble and kicked off the team and whatever the case might be. So because Henry stayed around long enough, he earned a spot on the team. But he wasn't really playing, right? There was other, you know, uh, players that were better than him, so they started. But he never got down. He never looked at me and said, man, unbelievable. Like, I asked you to try out. You don't even play baseball. You don't even know how, what, what right hand to put your glove on. And you make the team, and I don't. This is unbelievable. Never said that. He was such an encouragement to all of us. For, for the guys that were really good, he continued just to push them every time. Call, you know, call them out where, where they were being lazy. Call them out where they were, you know, lagging. He saw himself fully invested as part of the team. And just to be a part of the team was just great for him. I remember towards the end of the season, I actually had a couple of like really good games where I had like three, four hits in the game. And uh, when the coach was like, oh, you know, the game ball, whatever, great job, great job. Henry was like, Omar, Omar, Omar had a great game. Omar had a great game. I'm like, here's a guy that should just be down about this. The fact that he, he's not playing. He loves this game way more than I do. Henry was Elizabeth, essentially, in my life. Mary, maybe Mary didn't need Elizabeth, but God used her in a way to encourage her and say, this is what God has for you. Step into this. Don't be afraid. Keep pressing forward. Keep moving on. So here's how I start to put this together in my head. We all need an Elizabeth in our lives. We have this church community that encourages us, that pushes us forward, that says, this is what God has for you. Don't stop. Press in. Lean in. We all have a role to play in this story. God 
The Bible says this. The Bible says that God seeks the earth looking for someone who will understand. Looking for someone that actually seeks God. It's two, it comes out two times. The same passage in the Psalms appears twice. God searches the earth for people who will partner with him. For people who will, who will understand what God is about and want to be about the very thing that God is about. But we don't do this alone. Because we need a community of people that will rally around us and say, keep going forward. Keep pressing in. Keep leaning in for what God has in store for you and how God wants to use you. We can leave from here and we can say, yeah, I like where I am. This is comfortable. This is safe. Yeah, it might not be perfect, but it's okay. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sick and tired of okay. I'm tired of excuses. I'm tired of laziness. It's tired. Are we going to leave from here together saying, yes, God, what opportunity do you have for me today? I want to say yes. I want to love the people around me. I want to love my neighbor. I want to love my neighborhood. I want to love the people that sit next to me at, at the cubicle. I, I want to love the barista that serves me coffee. That doesn't really want to be there. It's just the next step for them. I want to love my waiter or my waitress at Mawa Bar and Grill. Where is she at? I don't know. She's still here. There you. We love you. Thanks for your service. Or do we leave and say, ah, maybe, maybe not. When we say yes, we get wrapped up into something that's bigger than ourselves. And here, here's, here's, I think, where it all comes together for me. As I look at this, I say, okay, this is good for me to know, like, for me, right? Because I know that there are times that opportunities come my way and I say no to them, and I turn a blind eye to them, and I do whatever that, you know, whatever it is that, whatever, I just ignore it. This is good for me to know. But we cannot lose this in the midst of the bigger story that's going on here. There's a bigger story. Jesus has come. A, a, a baby boy was born to a virgin miraculously through the power of God for the salvation of mankind. That is our story. For those, of, for those of you that are new, for those of you that are investigating faith, for those of you that are trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing, maybe you got lost somewhere and you just decided to park over there because there was a bunch of cars and you decided to walk in. I don't know why you're here. I mean, I don't know, not like that, like in a mean way. <laughs> Can I take that back? We need to edit that. I don't know why it is that you've decided to come today, your specific reason. Um, but this is the story. This is what we believe. 2,000 years ago, there was an announcement of a boy that was going to be born that was going to change the course of humanity. And he was going to give people an opportunity 
for salvation, but also an opportunity to partner with him in his plan for this world. For those of you that have been walking with Jesus for a long time, for those of you that would say, I belong to the church, the body of Christ, this is our story. He is the one that holds it together. I don't hold it together. Rob doesn't hold it together. The coffee team, great job, wonderful coffee. We don't, none of us hold it together. Without Jesus, Mary, there is no rhyme or reason for her. Without Jesus, John, who um, was conceived inside of Elizabeth, there's no rhyme or reason for him. Jesus is the focal point, point of our story. And what God was asking Mary was, partner with me. Partner with me for the salvation that will literally, that you will literally be carrying inside you. And partner with me with the salvation that was literally going to come through you to the rest of this world. That is God's offer to us. Will we decide that we want to partner with a God who loves us so much that he has decided to save us? And not just for our sake, but for the people around us. Will we step up as a church and do this? Will we love our neighbor as ourselves and love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? I hope that this season is all about turning off everything inside of us that says, me, 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 me. Consume, 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 consume. And then we're actually saying, God, how can I produce life today? How can I produce life today? Let's pray.